And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on, man? I am at our new office in downtown Kansas City, Kansas, and I have been working super hard building us a real podcast studio so who knows dare to dream hey maybe we'll get to record some podcasts again you know we haven't really recorded any in person since the pandemic so no we haven't and you know we've wanted to always build a proper studio now we tried that once and uh by the time i got back from a trip to the philippines we never even got to use it yeah that was sad yeah yeah, bad moments in podcast history. Now, speaking of great moments in podcast history, Matt, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Chatdesk. Does your business receive a high volume of phone calls? You can deflect over 10% of your calls to Facebook Messenger and save up to 80% on your support costs by using Chatdesk. They have a special offer for Startup Hustle listeners. It's free for a limited time. Go to chatdesk.com forward slash shift or click the link in the show notes. They have a pretty cool offering, Matt. It is like gig economy for support people, but it's scalable. So have you ever been in a spot where you needed to have support, needed to have support or support your product and you didn't really have the budget or need for a full-time person? Because that's what they fix. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, having, having flexible yeah. people to step in and help out. It's like trained gig economy people. So speaking of growing a business, it's time for part 33 of 52. Now, in the past, we well, we recently discussed how to get to market faster, which is different than today's topic, which is creating a go-to market strategy. Now, Matt, I've known you for quite a while, and I have heard you say go-to-market strategy a bunch. So when you hear go-to-market strategy, what are you thinking, dude? Who are we selling this to? How do they know we exist? Why do they care? You know, it, it's all the basics, right? Like so often people create a product, but they don't really know how they're going to sell it or who they're going to sell it to, how they're going to reach them. You know, it, it's like the tree falling in the forest, right? Does it make a sound or not? Like you got to know how to reach your audience. We've talked in the past about the reasons that startups or businesses fail. And we had a really long list. And number one in big font and bold letters was a was a poor product market fit. So what you just described of not knowing how to sell it, whatever, those are warning signs. Those are symptoms of a of a of a bad product market fit, right? Absolutely. And actually, I was just on a call before this where I was talking to somebody who actually has amazing product market fit, but just can't figure out how to monetize it, right? Like you, you run into all these sort of issues depending on your, your, your startup. So uh, this is a fun topic for me. 
Yeah, and it's different. You know, I, I say a lot when it comes to our our clients at full scale that they're like full they're like snowflakes because they're all different. But all businesses are like that. All businesses have strengths, weaknesses, different sets of resources. I mean, they're all unique. So how how do we create an episode where we create some tailored advice? about a go-to-market strategy. I mean, when I think of go-to-market strategy, I think, hey, it's time to sell. But if you've listened to the show for a while, you know that I'm also telling you that you need to start selling the day you open the business pretty much. Got to build up the pipeline. Always building the pipeline. All right. So when we talk to go-to-market strategy, I mean, we, we obviously we're just talking about product market fit. Um, you know, I think the next thing on the list is, you know, who, I mean, who's your target audience and in a world full of options for advertising and social media platforms that know I want a Snickers before I do and all of that. I mean, how do we, it's, you have more options for targeting a precise audience than ever, but if you don't have an idea of who your target audience should be, uh, that's still a problem. Well, we talk about this a lot, even at full scale internally, right? Where we're like, who, who is our best customer and, and how do we, the leads we get on our website and whether or not we should potentially even talk to them, right? Like if we get a lead from India, what are, what are the odds that us selling our services to a company from India makes sense, right? Like we, we have a specific target audience, which could be companies in the US or Australia or England or whatever, right? And, and if you're outside of that audience, it's like, do we waste our time and resources on them? Because they're just not our target. Right. So some, at some point it's, it's focusing on a niche and focusing down the audience to focus your efforts. So, you know, I, I was recently watching the movie American gangster with Denzel Washington, where he plays Frank Lucas, who, uh, was certainly engaged in his go-to-market strategy was crime. But with that, he went straight to the source. He said, let's cut out the middlemen and go straight to the source. Now, that's what I was thinking about there. So when it comes to talk target audience, I, I mean, well, at full scale and I, and I had up a lot of our marketing efforts, I try to cut out the middleman and go straight to the source. I mean, I want to, my target audience is straight to the decision maker. And for us, that is chief technology officers, CIOs, CEOs, founders, yeah. People with those kind of job titles, because when I say cutting out the middleman, that's what you need to do if you have a business to business strategy. Because if I am deciding to instead uh, advertise and promote what we do three steps down the decision chain, I have to climb back up it. Now, not every product has the ability to do that. You know, I had a guest on the other day. Uh, and I think this episode will come out before that, but it was the, he owns sellyourmac.com and they've sold like $44 million of, of previously owned Macs. Wow. And yeah. It's a ton, Dang. but, but think about, but when you look at your target audience, that's like anybody that has a computer that, that uses Mac. Yep. And that's difficult because if we've talked about this so much in the past, it's like, oh, wow, look at all these people that are potential buyers. And then you go to market it and you're like, oh, wow, look at all these people that are potential buyers. And I said the same words, but it's a completely different scenario because trying to narrow it down. So the purpose of this is most ads are based on the number of impressions or where you get showed. So if you're shooting blanks at non 
you know, people outside your target audience, then you're going to, your, your cost of acquisition is going to be pretty high. Well, and I think another good example of this is I was actually just hiring new, um, landscaping company. Right. And I look around at like, who is servicing other people in my neighborhood? I'm like, well, they must be doing a good job. And if, if I was them, if they have a lot of customers in this neighborhood, they should be marketing to this neighborhood, right? Not marketing to some other neighborhood across town. Like it wouldn't make any sense. And sometimes it's, it's the, the point is driving down to a small audience is where they can have concentrated success. Like they can own my little neighborhood of 400 homes and just totally dominate it, right? Versus spreading their efforts and driving all around town to do one random house all over the place, right? And sometimes it, it's const- those constraints actually force you to be wildly successful. Yeah, I was recently watching an episode with Marcus Limonis, and he was working with two women that had, they had a small restaurant that they wanted to take national. It was like a lobster, uh, lobster sandwiches or something like that. And that's exactly what they were doing. They were hype, they were hyper targeting, meaning like they were being geo specific because if you, it, so they're in Brooklyn. So the, the premise was if you were one mile away from the restaurant, you were really had a good, you were really a hot, yeah, a hot advertiser because you're right around the corner theoretically. And then the further that, 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 that got and that, and think about it, you know, when you look at radiuses, especially in an area like New York city, I mean, a five mile radius, how many people live in a five mile radius in and around Brooklyn? That's a lot right. of people to advertise people. to. So in some, in some cases, in some businesses, I mean, you need to be that. And there's a lot of technology out there that helps with that. And even like the social media platforms and other stuff, I mean, they, they know where you're at and you can target ads to show to people in that area, similar to the landscape company. And that's, you know, I've actually seen, you just talk about guerrilla marketing too. So, you know, I don't live that far away from you. And I regularly find notes or like flyers on my door that are like, Hey, we're working on your neighbor's house. Yeah. If, yep. And that's smart. That's yep. smart. Cause guess what? That costs the, the price of a piece of paper. And you can see and, the quality of their work right out your window. And, and here, another thing too is, you know, as a, as a marketer, don't underestimate the power of the people, meaning the people are like that you're selling to, cause there's a trust factor. Oh, if my neighbor chose this person, then maybe I should. And then sometimes it's just convenience. Like, uh, it's funny. I got, I had a note on my trash can of all things the other day. And it was, so my very first job that I like the first real company that I started was painting numbers on curbs you know, like the white box with the black numbers. And uh, it, we got like five bucks a curb, but someone had put these like post-it notes on everyone's trash can on trash day. And it said, we're going to be out doing this tomorrow. <laughs> they wanted $40. Yeah. I was like, wow, times have changed. Uh, but they were like, so take this and stick, sign it and stick it on your front door and we'll come by and, and paint it. So then that's smart. And that was, you know, they were canvassing. And another thing too, I, I liked the approach of sticking it to my trash can because I definitely saw it because I had to go 
yeah back in from the curb. And there's not a lot of other junk mail on top of your uh right. trash can and and now now that said that's smart that's smart marketing like that's a go-to-market strategy that's pretty pretty darn effective and you know why do we just talk about two things that like a flyer and a post-it note because some of this stuff doesn't have to be like a rocket science digital approach i mean there is a lot of really Absolutely. just and and that's either referred to as guerrilla or grassroots marketing. So, so yeah. So one of the the big things we need to talk about, and you've heard me talk about this a lot, is there's a lot of different kinds of traction channels. And there's a book, I think it's called Traction, and I don't remember it who wrote it. And yeah. There's like 18 of them or something, right? And there's all these different traction channels or kind of go-to-market strategies. And some of them are like you saying, they're traditional marketing flyers or radio or TV you know, digital marketing, content marketing, podcasting, going to trade shows, uh, cold calling, right? There's all these different ways that you can go to market and reach your customers. And the key is every single business is going to be different. Every single business is going to have different kinds of success, right? At full scale, one of our biggest traction channels is this podcast, right? Another big one is referrals, right? I have another friend that own, that runs a little consulting business for him. It's 100% referrals. He doesn't even have a website, right? His, but he has more work than he can do. It's 100% referral. And for you, depending on whatever kind of business you have, I really recommend that book and go through, or you can actually just Google traction channels and there's a list out there, right? But you can read the book. It's just picking like, what are the top two or three that you would think work for you? And the key of the book is it would tell you is, you want to figure out which one works the best and maximize it before diluting your efforts into doing other ones, right? If you're really successful at referral, maybe you don't need to worry about anything else. Like don't spend all your time doing a bunch of other shit, you know, doesn't work. Focus on the one that really works and maximize it. So someone out there is listening right now and they're thinking, well, I don't have any traction. I got to get that moving. Yeah. By the way, the book Traction's by Gino Wickman. There you go. Yeah. So now the thing is, is if you don't have any traction, you have to try to gain it, which means that you are going to have to, when it comes to marketing, there's three words that matter. Test, test, test. Yep. yep. And, yep. and when I say test, 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 it, you don't have to like, there's all, it, it, this can get confusing because you know, now people, we need to run an AB, blah, 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 blah. No, you need to, at first you need to try a couple of things and you need to try to match them up we're back to that target audience. So now I, I'm starting a new business where I'm building sculptures out of popsicle sticks. Okay. And uh, I, I'm partnered with a, a five-year-old on this, but we're we trying to get you to, in some art galleries. That's your go-to-market strategy. Well, I'm thinking that, that Pinterest might be a good place to start or Etsy. Cool. TikTok videos. Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's another, that's another potential. Brainstorming. Here we channel. go. We're now, working on it. Now I'm really not starting a popsicle stick culture uh, sculpture business, but that was a good example because LinkedIn probably wouldn't be a good spot for me to try mm -hmm. to gain traction at probably that not. business because one, the subject matter on the site or you know wherever that is, it's probably it's not even related to what I'm trying to sell, and sometimes that can be a, a good thing, but usually it's not. And, you know, when you look at something like Etsy, that's where people are already selling crafts and doing yeah. stuff like that. Like eBay could be another example of that. And there's a lot of stuff out there. Or maybe we want to just take it to the streets and there's a crafts fair or something like that. So it's the same thing, like a farmer's market might be a traction channel for someone that has a business that's related to that. Maybe you have a honey business. Yeah. Yep. 
you know, and like the thing is, is if you, you don't have any traction, you're not going to get a distribution deal with the supermarket chain, but that might be it. And that might be an easy place for you to get started and also figure out. So with that, I think that, you know, when we talk about a go to market strategy, so back to this honey business, Matt. So do now I love honey. So I might, I could actually buy a gallon of it and like see myself doing that. So I'm going to call now, you Pooh Bear for now on. Yeah, you can. And, you know, but maybe you don't, you know, maybe you don't want that much. So like, you know, you got honey, part of the go to market strategy is also like understanding your own product, understanding your own service. Like, and we went through this at full scale. So I'll give you an example. So full scale is almost four years old. Go to fullscale.io if you're curious about the business Matt and I own. We help software businesses build teams. But with that, when we first started the business, we actually took on a whole bunch of different clients. We tried little jobs, we tried ongoing stuff. And the whole idea of that Product market was, fit. was to see, because we didn't really know. We thought we knew, but we weren't a hundred percent sure. So we, you know, we thought we felt that the ongoing long-term relationship and building teams was the way to go. But we had to try a bunch, we wanted to try a bunch of stuff too, because along the core, uh, along the way to finding those kind of clients, there was a lot of other business possibilities out there. Now we chased a few of them and really came back to the, to the, the thesis statement that what we originally thought the business would, could, and should do was in fact where we should be. But some of that we wanted to explore because it sure felt like there was a lot of money floating around here and there. And it turned out that those accounts or those projects actually detracted from our ability to do the better, more popular service in general. So some of this is like figuring out where and when you want to, you know, do your stuff. Now, I mentioned earlier, I was watching an episode of The Prophet and I've enjoyed that show. But he, you know, as any of these businesses where someone comes in or any of these shows where someone comes in and they're trying to fix a, a problem business, it's usually because that business is trying to do way too much. It's like a restaurant that has like 37 types of sandwiches, but when they look at it, really people only buy five. So some of that's, you know, that go to market strategy is important because you need to figure out where, when, and how you're making your money. And you'll find in a lot of cases, you're spending a lot of time, effort, and energy on the shit that is the least profitable or most basically most worthless for the business. Yeah. So let's let's bring this back to tech companies for a minute, right? Because that Oh yeah, we're starting a we're starting a tech We're starting company. a tech company That's now the on, series, on but yeah. Startup Hustle. We, we you know, we we help all sorts of businesses and entrepreneurs. But let, let's focus it on tech companies for a minute because there there's some really major decision points when you're targeting you're selling like a SaaS product, right? Is it business to business? Are you are you selling to other businesses? Are you selling to consumers? So if you're selling to consumers, is it an app that pay, they pay $5 for, or is it ad supported or a monthly subscription, right? Like all these are very different business models. And then if it's, or if it's business to business, is it an enterprise sale, right? Is this a long, complicated sales process that takes months and then they pay you $50,000 a year? Or is it a smaller business like, like Gigabook as an example, where it might be $20 a month? right? Your business strategy on those is totally different. Your go-to-market strategy is totally different, right? You can't hire a $200,000 a year enterprise salesperson to sell Gigabook for $20 a month. It nope. doesn't work. doesn't make any sense, right? But if you're selling this big enterprise software like Netrio, where I work, 
you know, we sell an enterprise product. Um, yeah, sure. We might pay salespeople 200 grand a year to sell that because our customers pay $50,000 a year, $100,000 a year, right? But your go-to-market strategy on how you find these customers, market to them, the traction channels, your entire business, like the type of employees you have, how much focus you put on support and, and the sales models, the market, everything is dramatically different depending on these key decisions. And especially when you're first starting, you have to pick because it, it changes everything. So what you're trying to do is make the phone ring, make the inbox chime, make it all occur. And, you know, that's the scalability that can be kind of tricky. And that's why I want to mention again that today's episode is brought to us by ChatDesk. So if you're looking to reduce the number of phone calls and voicemails coming into your business yes, please. And, lower your, and lower your customer support costs, yes, please. our friends over at ChatDesk enable you to shift your calls to message channels like Facebook Messenger. You can schedule a demo and check out the discount they're offering to Startup Hustle listeners by visiting the link in the show notes or heading over to the partner page, which is at startuphustle.com forward slash partners. And you get a link there. You can also go to chatdesk.com forward slash shift. So, you know, that's, the, it, I was just on a meeting with someone at chat desk. And so, you know, we check these things out before we recommend them. But I mean, that, that, that's actually something I think needs to be part of your go-to-market strategy because support's tricky. And, you know, if you are going to sell something, you need to be ready to support it, whether it's a product or software or any of it. Now, we were centric on tech. Um, and that's I think that's when you're starting a tech company, the support part of it's kind of hard because you usually don't have enough clients or users to have a dedicated person or department in there. But if you're not supporting your stuff, you're regardless of how great your go to market strategy is. Uh, you're going to have a lot of churn or a lot of swings and misses. Well, at, at Stackify support was one of the things that set us apart, right? Because it was inevitable that somebody would install our software and they'd have questions, right? So if we can answer those questions very, very quickly, and our goal internally was to answer every one of them via email within one hour and 99.9% yep. .9 of the time we did versus they would message our, our competitor and a competitor might not respond for 24 to 48 hours. So what do you think happens when somebody installs our competitor's product and they get stuck and they're like, shit, I need to solve this problem and I can't get this tool to work. What do they do? They go download a different tool, right? Yep. They jump over and they install our software and hopefully they have no problems and it just works. But if they do and we respond really quick, they're like, wow, these guys are on it. I like how they do customer service. That's a differentiator, right? Yep. Um, the other key thing to what, we, what you were just mentioning in support uh, – changes dramatically based on who you're handling. Uh, I mean, the, the target customer you have is things like proof of concepts, right? Like at Netro, everybody wants to do a proof of concept with us, right? They want to install our software in their data centers and do these big tests for three months and we have to help them set it all up. It takes huge support efforts for us to do those proof of concepts, right? But we're willing to do it because we know there's a really high chance that they're going to write us a check for $100,000 at the end of it. But we have to be able to staff that and have people to do all that, right? Which is totally different depending on the business model, right? Some other business models like proof of concept wouldn't make any sense. Like we can't afford to do a proof of concept if you're gonna pay us a hundred bucks a month. Like just sign up or yeah. go away. Yeah, I ran into the same thing growing Gigabook because when we first started getting users, the problem was is setting up your account because it's so customizable. And that's that's like the strength and the weakness of Gigabook because 
I mean, you've even gone through it because if yeah. you don't customize it properly or you don't know how or what it does, then you're either not fully utilizing it and getting all the benefits from it, or it might be a little frustrating. Now that said, with the right support or the right setup on the way in, which is what we ended up doing, we created an onboarding flow that wouldn't even let you in. If you didn't want to take a few minutes to answer a few yeah. questions and get set up, we didn't even let you in the platform. Well, Why? And- because, well, no one was staying. We like literally tracked people that, that skipped yeah. onboarding and 0% of them converted. Instead, we created something that only took a couple minutes and uh, you know, and, and when you got in, you at least were able to do a couple things rather than making you just make it easy to use your product or people aren't going well, to use I, your product. I remember you spent a lot of effort optimizing all that, right? Like you create yep. little training videos and yep. improving all the help docs, right? So people ask common questions. They go to help and they search like, how do I, uh, offer a new service or whatever. Right. And, and if they can't find help, that's where you need something like chat desk or, you know, built in chat yep. support to just quickly answer the questions, right? They have really simple questions. They just, they just need to know now, how do I do this simple thing? And let's be honest, a lot of people are lazy. They don't want to dig through the docs to go find it either. They just want to chat with you and just help them. That is an honesty. That's just truth. I mean, yeah. like that's just the reality of the world. And there's, you know, there's, there's books on this subject and I can't remember the, the name of one. I think it was called hooked. And it was all about like the digital age and like how so many of these things like, so, you know, Facebook, Twitter, all these different platforms, they're competing with each other to keep you in there. So how do they yeah. do that? And uh, they actually, the, the, the author used Twitter as an example. So Twitter's like maybe the fastest onboarding of anything ever. It takes like 15 seconds to fill it out and you're in and you yep. can tweet and you know, the thing is, is if you don't do that, you're going to leave a lot of people behind. Now, on the, on, in some companies, though, that's not always the great thing. So like at Full Scale, we have we've built a remote developer and con- uh, management platform and we're continuing to improve it and do all this different stuff. But for us, you know, we we can't even make that. It's the same thing as Gigabook. We can't even really make recommendations or suggestions on who you might want to add to your team or whatever if you don't answer specific questions. So in some levels, you know, you have to make that decision as part of your go-to-market strategy. Now, I will tell you that your success rate is going to, your success rate, meaning the number of people that enter whatever it is that you're doing, is going to be dramatically lower with every step that you add to the process. I mean, this is just consumer science. And so your goal needs to be to make it fast and easy to get in. Um, So, yeah, so you can, you can have a great go-to-market strategy. Well, we... (laughs) All right. So we actually, I was, we've talked about this before too. A lot of people will try cost per click ads and then they get a bunch of clicks and they say, Oh, I guess it doesn't work. I got 200 clicks, but nobody bought anything. And I'm sitting here going, you know, that's not the ads fault. That's your fault. The ads job is to get clicked. It's like what happens on the other side of that click, but this is important stuff because this, this is go to market strategy right here. Like what's the landing page experience that that person gets to wherever they enter your site or however they're driven to it, especially with tech. So, you know, there's a different message that that's important. Well, at full scale, there's a different message for someone that wants uh, enterprise, big enterprise development teams, as opposed to someone that wants to build a one-off mobile app. Yeah. And and that, and that's the key topic here, right? Is depending on your go-to-market strategy, also completely changes the structure of your business, your product, how you sell it, how you price it, how you package it. All of it can change dramatically. 
these things yeah. can be really tied to each other. Do you watch Breaking Bad? You ever watch oh, Breaking yeah. Bad? And right. in, some, in some sense, we relate it to Breaking Bad, and, right? And it's what, like, what took you 20 years to watch that, by the way? Do, do you want to be the guy who slings a, a little bit of meth? Or do you want to be the guy who makes pounds of it and sells it, right? But the go-to-market strategy of that is dramatically different, right? And and that's the point is <laughs> your your business model changes dramatically depending on what you're trying to do. Did you really just compare Walter White and Jesse Pinkman? Yeah, here on the, here on the podcast. Yeah. Hey, you, you know, want what to I mean? move pounds, you got to have so a we, different. We've strategy. talked about everything from that <laughs> to American Gangster to popsicle yeah. stick sculptures to large enterprise software. Here's the thing, people. It, a lot of these principles are still the same. Absolutely. Right? They, might, they might have different paths, but the, the basic tenets of go-to-market strategy and marketing in general are, are highly similar. <laughs> Do you want to be Jesse Pinkman or Walter yeah. White? Yeah, I mean, right, right. So, I mean, to me, that's an easy choice. Yeah. So, all right. So there's a lot of benefits to having a go-to-market strategy. Let's talk about them. Um, so first off, just generally as a business, it's, creates a lot of clarity and a defined plan and direction. Yeah. Like this is what we're doing and this is how we're doing. And, you know, if you do end up in a business that grows really quickly and we went through this at full scale, sometimes you have to actually take a couple steps back and like refocus. And we've even done that recently. Just we're doing less stuff because we went to create our go to market strategy and we were looking for traction channels and you have to you have to sit back and re-examine those from time to time. So, sit, yeah. So perfect example, right? At full scale, we have 220 employees, whatever it is, doing all sorts of stuff. But if somebody called you today and said, Hey, hey Matt, uh, we love what you guys do. Can you build us a team of Ruby developers or Salesforce developers? You'd be like, ah, it's just not what we do. It's yep. not what we do, right? Because you're like, it, they're really hard to find. And then if we hire those people, you know, we have a long-term commitment to these employees, but we don't find a lot of clients that want this type of work. It's just not our niche, right? At some point in time, you just have to say no to things or otherwise as a business, you get diluted, right? You're like, oh, we do this and we do this and we do this and we do this. But then we have problems finding clients that want all these things. Like our menu is too big. Yeah, and that's, I mean, once again, we're comparing a, that to the sandwich shop that have yeah, too big the menu of a menu. Is too big. Yeah. And that's the thing. So, but, but you got to figure some of that out in the beginning. I'm not going to, you know, look, anyone that's going to tell you that you can have a precise vision and view of this before you actually do it is being overly optimistic because you really have to see how people react to things. There's, you know, there's, there's price, there's competition, there's demand and like a whole lot of stuff that you just really don't understand until you get in and start messing with it. I mean, that's pretty much the whole thing. So, you know, like overall, I mean, when it, it, you know, a couple other things that we should, you know, we mentioned a target audience. Once you start to figure that out, you can do things like, you know, looking at a buyer persona, you know, and like yeah. Matt, so like at some of the businesses that you've owned and run, like what were some of the personas of the buyers? Well, like at Stackify, our persona was the development managers usually, right? Where like now that Netro has acquired us, their persona is different. It's IT operations, the CTO, the CIO, and and the ad the sysadmin side, operation side of the house. It's totally different, totally different persona. And yeah, every business is different. You know, even full scale sells into kind of IT dev shops, right? But the persona of the buyer is a little different than Stackfire Netrio. 
Yeah, and it is a completely different buyer because the people that would be likely to install Stackify are not who I'm advertising to. No. Primarily. I mean, there, there is some overlap. It's like kind of like a Venn diagram version yeah. of it that, that, you know, they're, I mean, obviously they, they habitate in the same space and world and there's, there's CTOs, but that's only a fraction of the persona we look for. So some of the things I, and I, and I, and I don't mind sharing this. So as we evolved, uh, and, and the interesting thing is, is, and thank you for all of you that have reached out to us at full scale. Like we see you, we hear you and we want to thank you. Um, but when it comes to what we do at full scale, we don't typically work with companies that are brand, brand new, which is a little confusing because we hope host startup hustle and those are technically still startups, but those are, that's a, that's a tough product market fit for us because we deal at primarily in full-time services and then they're intended to be long-term team building. So one of the things that's a little trickier with a service business, and I still consider us to be a tech company, even though we are a tech services company is, you know, our biggest assets are people. So we have to also make sure that our people are in stable forward moving organized environments or they show up to work and they they feel they feel that that added stress from that day one stuff you know like businesses are very chaotic in the very beginning and that's just the way it goes so you know so some of it but being able to define that persona is also being able to know and understand like our fastest growing and biggest clients have between 10 and 100 employees right you know in growth mode well, and then some of, well, but some of that, that was the persona that some of them fit a few years ago that now have a thousand employees. Yeah. So yep. you got to be able to, and that's, a, uh, that's a question too, is, you know, I was recently talking to, to someone about our services and they were asking, you know, like, well, if we start with five people, how, how quick can we get to 40? And that's a, I mean, that's a, you got to, you need to be prepared to be honest about that too. Cause you can't get there. Then, you, you know, that's the thing. I mean, I, I think as, as old and experienced as I've become at a lot of this, I think that part of your go to market strategy, it just includes transparency. Tell people what the benefits of your product are. Tell them why you're, what your competitive advantage is and get to work trying to build some trust. You know, the, the other thing that I think is universally, the same, no matter what your, your product is, is content marketing, right? No matter what yeah. kind of company you have and product you're trying to sell content marketing in some form or another is part of what you do, right? Like even if you're doing enterprise sales, you're writing a lot of white papers and case studies and, and, and different things, right? Versus if it's, you know, gigabook or something, it's a lot of, of blogging and, and trying to track customers in that way. Right. And at full scale, we do podcasting. That's a type of, of, content marketing. It seems like content marketing is something that almost every business needs to do, but it could just be different kinds of content. And on the day that we recorded this, Matt, we published an episode because we're on Fridays now. We oh, got yeah. moved to the Friday spot, man. Prime time. Uh, yeah. It, you know, it was prime time and then it wasn't. And then it is again. And it's mainly just because you're on Fridays now, Matt. Prime time follows you. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's unbelievable. So, you know, there's a, you know, so much of what we've talked about, and I know we're talking about go to market, but it's, you know, support is important and client retention. And what, what we have an episode of startup hustle TV, it's episode 20.1. 
that is literally titled Client Retention Tips from Startup Founders. Go to YouTube and type in Startup Hustle. Now, you know, when it comes to that, remember with sport, it's important because you can drive as many new customers or clients in. Now, if you're just something, okay, so I used to sell pianos, Matt. You know that, right? Like uh-huh. a long, long time ago. People, most people buy a piano once. So, so client retention wasn't always the priority at some of the places that I worked because you're talking about a product that uh, a traditional once in three generations of a family, maybe a hundred years. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, now I worked in the digital side of things. So we were also trying to convince people that those were real pianos. And, you know, so some of that client retention doesn't matter, but you know, for tech companies, if you, you can sign up as many users, if you want, if you churn them all right away, oh, yeah, you're, you're wasting your time. And so, you know, once again, today's episode of startup hustles brought to you by chat desk. They help you reduce the number of phone calls coming into your business by over 10% by shifting calls over to Facebook Messenger and other channels. You can get started in just a few minutes. The, ser- the service is free for a limited time. Be sure to check out chat- chatdesk.com forward slash shift. That's chatdesk.com. There's a link in the show notes. You know, I went on a demo with them and it was really cool because they really will help you scale and they give you like, it's like real people. It's not just a bot or anything like that. So that's pretty cool. So by by the way, way, I saw something totally cool on my phone the other day. I have an Android phone. I know I'm not as cool as you and you have an iPhone, but on my Android phone, I went to call a business and it came up and it said, you can chat with the business instead. Yep. And right on my phone, like on the dialer, like where I would dial the number, it prompted me to chat with the company instead of calling them. And I'm like, holy shit, like this is the best thing in the entire yeah. world that's ever happened to me. It's because you don't want to talk to people, right? No. No, I don't want to talk to people. <laughs> so, uh, Matt, I want to point out from from the from here from my desk at the new full-scale office in downtown Kansas City, Kansas, I can see a casino. And I'm staring right at it and I just see a red number seven because it's the seventh street casino. So I'm thinking my go to market strategy is going to be once again, stealing one of your cars and taking it to play penny slots. Cause that worked out for me like three or four years ago, pretty well. I mean, that was my strategy. I went in, you know, and I was going to double, 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 double. And then I think I had a lot of money at that point. So not really sure. Exponential growth. Right. I like it. So here we are at the end of the 33rd episode of our 52-part series. I mean, what's, what are your takeaways here? Well, I think for sure everyone's everyone's in the content business. You, you should be creating some kind of content. I mean, there's a whole lot of people that post videos on TikTok even, right? And it's just trying to drive business to some other thing, like only OnlyFans or whatever it is these days, right? Like, it's crazy. But um everybody's in the content business. It's just different kinds of content depending on what your niche is. And I think the other thing is understanding your your go-to-market strategy and how it shapes every other facet of your business, right? Depending on if you're if you're going after small clients or big clients or B2C or B2B, whatever it is, the go-to-market strategy changes everything else. Are you Walter White or Jesse Pinkman at the end of the day? Depending on where you watch that series, that's a different that's a different question. So for me, I think, you know, if you don't I love the test, test, test thing. You gotta, you gotta roll that in. The whole purpose of that is to try and fail fast and figure out what really works. And 
I've said this before and I say a lot just in life. I mean, when, when you're with a lot of this stuff, if you're looking for a traction channel, I compare it to looking for a crack. And then when you find that crack, your next job is to try to shove an elephant through it. You know, that's the whole, the whole premise. Uh, that's been my whole approach to marketing. So I run a lot of little micro tests. I do a lot of this, like even for this podcast, where I try different audiences, I try different iterations of it, I try different ad presentations. And I'm at the point where like, I can pretty much with a thousand impressions, I can tell, which is like five to 10 bucks in most cases on something like Facebook, I can tell you if an ad's going to be a big hit or not. And that's just because I've run a lot of different tests. I understand the traction channels. Um, and you know, so much of that is important. And if you don't run through that pretty quickly, you're what you are going to run through pretty quickly is your budget. And, you know, it's, it's if you just think, if you have a, a one now, if you're, if you own a business that you're fortunate enough to be positive, that you only need to have one traction channel and that's going to get it done. Good for you. But that is, I don't know anybody that has a business like that. You know, there's so many different places and things and stuff that you can do and you got to figure that out. And I think when it comes to the go to market strategy, if you're sitting down, I've had people give me, uh, you know, they're give, give you a pitch. They want an investment or something like that. And well, either they don't have a go to market strategy, which I see more often than not, which is not a good approach either. But then they're, they're basing it on like really small, like tiny, tiny, like, Hey, we signed up three customers and it was $2 a piece. How does this scale? Yeah. You know, how do you, how do you look at it? repeatable. How, you how does this, how does this expand? And then you can't make assumptions without actually, you can, you can make assumptions, but you can't really make plans without running some little bit of small tests. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And you don't have to like spend tens of thousands of dollars. Like in most cases, a couple hundred bucks on a, on some platform is going to give you some idea at least of what you're going to pay. I actually just did this on, on Facebook and LinkedIn uh, when it, for full scale. And I was advertising to different personas. And here's the thing, people, I was because, you know, we're not a high lead, like a high number of leads kind of business. So I was just trying to test and see how much it would cost to even get a click. And that's where that's where the testing starts. Just having an idea, because since I mean, there you would be shocked, like there are businesses like my friend owned, owns and operates a business that makes products for foundation repair. It's like $100 a click, oh, geez. sometimes more to get that. So here's the thing is like, if you don't, I mean, if you think it's going to be uh, way less than that, I mean, if your whole test budget's a hundred bucks and you get one click, you can't really say a whole lot about that. Not scientific. Right, right. So you can't really plan a business. You can't really get a go-to-market strategies. So you got to get that stuff figured out. And I think really in the end, if you're not ready to, you know, like I said, if you're not ready to, to, to do a little bit of that, you're going to blow through the budget pretty quick. Yep. Well, Matt, is that it? Are we going to market? I think, uh, I think or, we're ready. Let's ship it. Or am, or am I going to the casino? My go to market strategy is to take my ad budget over to that casino and put it all in black. Yeah, maybe I might just maybe or odd. 
so I have a, I have a foolproof system for winning at roulette. You sit by the table until something odd happens near the table and then you just put it all on odd. That makes sense. Yeah. It works every time. So I'm going to go do that. I'll catch up with you next week. All right. See ya. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.